Enviar nota de voz al group chat. Buenos días, ¿quieren desayuno de McDonald's? Judith dice, eres la mejor. Un sausage McMuffin, please. Laura dice, sí, sausage McGriddles para mí. Ale dice, ya comí, pero me traes un hash browns. Love you. El, mi colega favorita, tío. Llévate todos tus favoritos de desayuno como un sausage McMuffin por unos pocos dólares. Solo en el $1, $2, $3 dollar menu de McDonald's. Precios y participación pueden variar. No puede ser combinado con un combo meal. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. My guest today is Eric Holtzclaw. Eric is a serial entrepreneur with 30 years of experience turning business concepts into revenue-making realities. Eric helped found one of the first profitable Internet enterprises and a company that appeared on Inc.'s 5,000 fastest-growing list three years in a row. Eric is a founding partner of Liger Partners, a creative marketing and operations agency in Atlanta, Georgia. He loves bringing his strategic experience to companies who are struggling to grow or are growing too quickly. Thanks so much for joining me today, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So we are um, going to be talking about uh, moving our company through the awkward in-between years. And I would love a definition (laughs) of what the awkward years are. What do they typically look like in a business? So as the... uh... I have a 22-year-old daughter, so I've taken her from being a baby through the, you know, teenage years, and now she's off at college. And, you know, when they're a baby, when they're young, you have a lot of control. You know, you, like, know where they are, you know, you dictate their bedtime, you can, you know, basically control their lives. And then as they get older, you know, they don't text you as much, and they're out places you're not exactly sure where they are, and you feel like you don't have as much control. And that's exactly the same thing that happens with a company. So when you first start a company, you have a lot of control over that company. What it looks like, what it does, you know, all the ways that things are delivered, because often you're the one delivering a lot of it. And then it moves into what 
I call the awkward in-between years, which is when you need to start giving up controlling and allowing other people to take over some of the pieces. And many companies don't make it through those awkward in-between years. They never mature past that to be a company that, you know, then is sustained because it really needs to sustain beyond just the person who founded the company. So, um, you know, first three years of a business are typically those baby years, the first thousand days. And after that, you know, you got to start letting letting a little bit of control go and get some other people involved and, and or you really don't have a business you've created a job for yourself that is so great i first of all i love the analogy i can picture it i too i have a 20 year old and a 23 year old so i totally get what you're saying and i have a business that is um like about 14 years old so i get it and and that do you think that that um, business owners realize that they've lost that control or do they like wake up one day and say, okay, what the heck is going on here? What happened to this, this thing? The, the problem I run into most of the time is not about them realizing that they've lost control, but not being willing to give up control. So they, oh. yeah. So it's, you know, it's scary to, to put a, you know, I have, I've run service organizations through the majority of my career. And so, you know, in order for those to grow, they, I have to have other individuals who may take over a key project or start to deliver a component that maybe I was used to delivering or having someone else do. And that's a scary thing to do. You know, you know the way that you do it and you've got somebody else who's going to, and it's not that they're going to do it wrong. They may just do it differently. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, yeah. and, and I spent a lot of time kind of in, you know, dark secret conference rooms with founders, you know, and they're sharing their deep fears with me about what's going to happen. And when you get to the root of it, it's like, you know, they're afraid somebody else is going to screw it up or that there's going to be some, some issue there. So, and, and then as you start to give up control, then yeah, it becomes the other side of it. It's like, oh my gosh, like I've given my kid a car. I, I kid that when my daughter turned 16, we gave her a, a Leaf, which is the Nissan electric car, and it would yeah. only go 80 miles. So, we always knew she could only go 40 miles from the house. <laughs> she was never <laughs> further than 40 miles from the house. So, you had a great radius. Right. Oh, so, great. so by putting that kind of gate in place, like, hey, she's not, yeah, that, she's no more than an hour away. There's never a chance that she's more than that. And here in Atlanta, she could be 20 minutes away, right? So um, right. anyway, so the, you know, that, that in order for the business to grow, it's got to get beyond that entrepreneur. The entrepreneur has to put the right systems in place. And they really suffer with that because you start a business and you're not immediately an expert at how to scale the business, how to you know, bring on staff. And, and the problem we have is that as entrepreneurs, everyone sort of thinks, oh, well, you started a business. You must know everything about it, you know, running. Yeah. It's like, no, I, I really don't. And, but I need to fake it, you know, until I kind of get to that next place. And they have to start admitting that the things they don't know that somebody else can do it better. It, it is a funny thing. I find that it, it's so true what you said. I, I think leaders in general, but especially business owners, think they're supposed to have all the answers. They're supposed mm -hmm. to have all of the solutions to whatever challenge or problem comes up. And they're not really. That, that really isn't what they're there for. They're there to make sure problems get solved. But there's no way they could have expertise in every possible, you know, every corner of a business entity. Yeah, best first use of time. What is the best, 
first yeah. of your time. And, you know, that you start getting rid of the other things. And most of the time for entrepreneurs, small business owners, the first thing you should get rid of is the finances, which is kind of yeah. the scariest thing because they're like, oh no, people are going to know how close we were to not making payroll or <laughs> that, you know, it's a hot mess back there where we're kind of keeping up with this or whatever. But, right. you know, somebody else will look at it differently and, and really with a little less, um, little less, you know, like they're so invested in it, you know, and, and how they run right. it. It's like, and so unveiling that to someone else and letting them take it over. And you're likely spending a lot of time doing something that somebody else could do much quicker than what you're doing. Exactly. And it, and it, so it's a trust thing. Oh yeah. It's all about trust. And I mean, I mean, if you really want to get into the psychology of an entrepreneur or a small business owner, you know, I owned a research company for a very long time and we did a research project around entrepreneurs and many of them fall into a category I call rectify. So they're entrepreneurs who are trying to rectify something from their past, which is why they started their business. And those people don't tend to be big trusters. (laughs) (laughs) And so now all of a sudden, you know, I've created this thing and it's mine and it's my baby. And now you're telling me I got to like bring other people in and let them, you know, look at the manage the finances or manage the customers. You know, it's a real, a struggle like the the things that started your business are not the things that then get you to the next level exactly oh it, it's it's really a, a dramatically uh challenging so okay so i would say that a mistake that entrepreneurs make is that they don't uh trust other people like they don't turn stuff over to them um and that they they have this thing about well they're not going to do it as well as I can, or the same way that I do it. What are some other mistakes that you find that entrepreneurs make when they're, as their business grows? Yeah, so so definitely giving up control. So that that that's your number one. You know, handing the keys over to someone else and letting them do it. Building process. So, you know, entrepreneurs are really bad at, or even small business owners at. at writing down or coming up with process for their business. And so how do you know if something needs to be turned into a process? I use the rule of three. So if it's more than three steps, you're going to do it more than three times, or it involves more than three people, it needs to be turned into a process. Nice. And so that's- I love that a way to define, because you don't need to turn everything. Like if you only do this thing once a year, the only person who does it, like let's say you go, you know, pay the incorporation fee for your business. That doesn't, that's not really a process, right? Like that's just a thing, it's a task. But if there's invoicing or the way that you put out a statement of work or bid a piece of business or deliver it, and it's gonna go beyond you, you're gonna do repetitively, you need to break it down into little chunks and make sure that people understand kind of how to walk across it. And as you describe it to someone else, because it's you know so much in your head, you'll start to see the gaps and maybe how it could be improved. Like I love to explain a process to someone and then them say, why the heck are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know, that sounds pretty dumb. Let's not do it that way anymore, right? And so it's a way to start to translate that and you can then describe it to someone else. And, and it's, it's really the only way that others can take over because entrepreneurs know so many aspects of how the business works and it's in their head and you're hiring someone to do a quote unquote job, they need to know how that job works. And if there's no, you know, railing for them to walk across, then, then you're going to be in trouble. 
And do you find that uh, the small business owner doesn't even realize how much they just do automatically? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so yeah. turning something over to someone else, there, you can't just like write it down and and have them go do it. They have to walk alongside you, I think, because I think a lot of times we don't, we aren't able to give the whole story because we're just doing things automatically that we've been doing for years. Yeah, it's the Malcolm Gladwell writes about that in his book Outliers. You know, he talks about people who've done things ten thousand times, and so it's become second nature for them. And that's a, that's a. The concept is, you know, you're so used to it, it, you created it, you have your way of doing it. Um, but, but bringing in experts and bringing people in alongside you, like most of the time I find they, they have a much better way of doing it or a better way of yeah. describing it. And that's tough because, you know, you've built this like little fiefdom for yourself and now all of a sudden you're letting people in it. And if you don't, I mean, it's okay not to, like today, compared to when I started my career, you know, the gig economy is such a big thing. And I work, we work with a lot of people through our agency that are, that are giggers. They like to write, yeah. they like to do graphics or whatever, but they're not at the end of the day, really trying to build a company. They're providing a service. Right. So, and they've established a nice lifestyle. Like we've got one person who travels all the time, but does work for us on different websites and things. And that, that's absolutely fine. That's what works. But if you're an entrepreneur who wants to scale your business, if you want to move it from that sort of baby, not a job thing, then you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to document it just like it's a franchise so that somebody else could take it over from you one day. And also you're going to have to kind of break that down into to smaller steps than what are in your head. I like that, um, that the differentiation between if this is your thing and you're happy with where it is and you're doing what you want to do, that's fine. But when you find yourself growing to a point and you want to scale and, and it's getting beyond, it gets to a point where it's beyond your ability to be effective and profitable, yep. I would think. Absolutely. It, and it's about, so the, so that's one of the, you know, one of the tenets of surviving the awkward in between years is understanding what your end is. So starting uh. with the end in mind and no, I've very rarely, and I've made this mistake multiple times. Like you get so enamored at the very beginning with building the business and naming it and coming up with what the services are gonna be and finding the first customers and getting them to pay. And you know, all of a sudden you're three or four years into it and you haven't, okay, well, what, where am I headed? Like, what's the destination? And my example is skiing. So, I said, I, if I told you, I said, hey, Diane, let's go on a skiing trip. Well, you may automatically have thought of snow skiing and I thought of water skiing. They're both Ooh. skiing. And we, we show up at the car and I've got, you know, a swimsuit and I've got snorkel gear and all this other stuff. And you've got, you know, your big jacket and all that. And you're like, hey, I thought we were going skiing. I'm like, we are going skiing, right? We, we both, <laughs> The, that car is not headed in the same direction. So specifically, if you're working with a business partner, wherever you want to end, you know, you, you can end up with the business being sort of lifestyle. And if it's a lifestyle business, that's a very different business from one that you're going to scale and try to sell or to maybe one you're going to pass on to others. So, you know, what do you, what do you want to do with it? Like make sure you don't create a, either a job or a self-made prison for yourself because 
you and I both know, Diane, like we can, you can go to work somewhere and probably make a little bit more money and get benefits. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> other burdens on those people. You know, you're like, it, it's not always as so romantic as, as uh, entrepreneurs have kind of been uh, shown in recent years. We're, we're kind of that rock star of the 90s, you know? It's so true. I know. It's like the thing to do, except if you talk to people who are doing it, it's really the reality. It's, it's all not um, as romantic as it might appear to be in yeah. movies. Yep. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm ruined. I don't think I, you know, like I, I've been an entrepreneur my entire career. I don't know that I could work for anybody, but I'm also don't, I don't tell anyone to come into this. Yeah, you know, I, I tell them to tread lightly. Like, is this the thing you want to do? Do you understand what this means, right? There's exactly. No, there's not a real right. safety net. But, you know, at the end of the day, too, you and I both know, like, if you're working for a company, I've, I'm working with lots of friends who work for companies who, either their job just got re, you know replaced or they got downsized so they're not in any more control you know than, than we right. are so it's right. a matter of what makes you comfortable yeah that that pretty much went away um oh yeah that, that whole concept of work one place for the rest of your life and get a gold watch when you're yeah when it's yeah. time to retire you know? yeah absolutely yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, okay i'm gonna take a quick sponsor break and then i want to okay. continue the conversation Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Rehumanizing Your Business by Ethan Butte and The Ultimate Sale by Justin Goodbread. So visit audibletrial.com businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Eric Holtzclaw about moving your company through the awkward in-between years. Okay. So talk to me some about the importance of focusing on both marketing and operations. So our company is marketing as a service, which means that, and in fact, I think I called us a, I may have said agency and we try not to use that word because that means something in particular. So we typically use the word firm instead. So marketing firm, Um, you know, one thing I believe very strongly that companies need to outsource is marketing because it's so complex and it's much more complex than it was even prior to 2008. And in 2008, it's not the economic burst that occurred. Uh, We ended up with, uh, you know, social media, ubiquitous internet, and smartphones. And all of that just changed the buyer journey dramatically, right? Yeah, and so yeah. the companies we work with, um, we're, we're providing marketing as a service, which is so cliche, because everybody's providing everything as a service, but that's what we're doing. Uh, and we, we become the marketing firm for a company, because what those companies typically need is if you hire one individual, that individual, if they're you know, grounded in marketing, they're going to be good at one or two things. So for example, I'm a marketer and I'm very good at sort of middle term writing. So like mid 
format writing. So a thousand, fifteen hundred word pieces up to maybe a book. And I'm also good at like strategy, but I'm not so good at social media. I don't know how to run a video camera. You know, I don't know how they do the SEO pieces, like that kind of stuff. So if you hired me, you wouldn't, for what you needed to pay my salary, you would end up with not all the things you need to be successful with marketing. So the way we work is we establish a, a, not only a strategy with a company based on what the company's goals are, but also what are the tactics that need to support that strategy. And the problem in the industry right now is that agencies typically are focused on strategy. So they'll come in and say, hey, you need a new brand or redo your website or all those kind of things. So, so those should be ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I got something just the strategy. Or they're like the other side where they're delivering just a tactic. Oh, you don't have social media. You need SEO because that's what they do very well. We're looking at how does the company acquire new customers via marketing and what are the things that need that will move them to their, you know, their goal, like with their metrics that they're trying to hit. So we become their marketing firm. We are absolutely the marketing department. They send us requests. We take care of them. We do everything from trade shows to press releases, to our media to, you know, and I said those words and people are out there going, I don't even know that those are part of marketing. And, and you don't have to, like you just give us the problem and then we, we take care of it. Right. So that, so I think part of what I'm hearing you say is, that there are things that are really important for a small business and there are some that and, and that they should be doing what is going to bring in revenue. They should be focusing their energy there. They still need to have a focus on marketing. They just don't necessarily should be doing it themselves. They definitely shouldn't be doing it themselves because the problem yeah. is they're going to end up with someone who doesn't have all the skills they need. So a, yeah. a proper marketing department has somewhere around nine to 12 different skill sets that are necessary and they're distinct skill sets. And so the reason that we're called Liger, because Liger is the combination of a tiger and a lion and it's an animal, is that you can, you could actually go and find a Liger, but you can't find a unicorn. And so when you're trying to hire someone who has nine or 10 different skill sets, you're looking for a unicorn. That person doesn't exist. Like the job descriptions we see don't exist, but you can hire a Liger and we bring in both the strategy piece of it and the execution and make sure that uh, the company is successful from a marketing perspective. And you're buying just incrementally what you need. So like you may only need that really expensive high level designer at the beginning because you got to get your brand right and your site. But then move that stuff over and you don't even, with us, you don't worry about it. We move it over to your production designer who's much cheaper and, you know, takes care of like flyers and business card changes and things like that moving forward. So it's, uh, I have a marketing need and then we figure out what the right resource is on the back end to deliver it. So that's an interesting, that, that's a very interesting thing because when a business hires, you know, a marketing director or marketing manager or whatever, um, depending on what they need that person to do, that, that that's going to change over time, but the person's skill set isn't necessarily going to change over time. Yeah. And they could end up paying for someone who's really good at branding, and then once that's done, what they need is someone doing implementation where the rate isn't necessarily as high. And this person potentially, it's, it's not their forte, it's not... Yeah, what they absolutely. want to be doing is not what they're good at, right? Yep, absolutely. And you have 
it's very interesting the parallelism between where we are with marketing and where we were with kind of the research space when I was in the research arena. So research breaks mm -hmm. down kind of qualitative research, which is one-on-ones and interviews and sort of um, free-form responses. And then also there's the quantitative side, which is sending out surveys. And really when you do a survey, people, you should already know the responses you're asking for. You shouldn't be just making crap up. And so quant people and qual people have two different brains. Like, you know, qual people think about story. They think about, you know, all that. And then quant are like, what are the metrics? And so that's certainly not going to be found in one person and very hard for a small or medium-sized business specifically to hire someone who's going to, you know, who's going to meet both of those. And you need both of them to be a, to be successful. You know, it's typically you find, I mean, I'll talk to a company. I'm like, what's, what's your marketing strategy? Oh, we're running LinkedIn ads. I'm like that is not a strategy. That would be called a tactic, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or I posted to social media once and it didn't work. I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the number of times that uh, your brand has to be seen nowadays is 21 before anyone wow. is aware of it. And the number used to be like seven. Yeah. So, you know, oh, just no. staying in front of people, being consistent. And that consistency, you know, talking about the kind of the, the, what we talked about before the break on the awkward in between years, consistency is like the killer for a company. If you can't be consistent in the delivery of your services, the way that you treat your employees, the way that you show up every day for the company, that that's a huge a huge part of uh, of both being ineffective when you're trying to grow the company and also when you're trying to execute marketing. You got to be consistent. I really appreciate you saying that. I I think um, it is definitely one of the challenges, and and I feel like as we've been talking about this. I, I feel like part of the problem is that the things that you do when you're starting are not the same things you need to be doing once you've headed into these awkward years, as you put it, and yet you keep doing things in the same way because, because that's all you know. Right. So, yeah, the, right, so something that you were saying earlier about, you know, you get someone else in and they're looking at it from a different viewpoint, they're fresh to it. The, the, yep. You know, the, this is, this, they're seeing it with totally fresh eyes. So it's not that they're questioning even your um, uh, ability to do it well. They're just questioning the, okay, to explain to me why we're doing it this way. And the answer could really be, I don't know, but that's how we started. And that's just how we kept going. Yeah. It's the, you know, the boat that got you here is not the boat that's going to get you. Right. Right. I mean, and that's, you know, it's, it's just so many things with this, like marketing. Cause uh, you know, I also complain. So someone corrected me on this, but I always say that marketing is the last thing that companies invest in. And it's the first thing that they cut. And um, one one person corrected me and said, no, that's training. And that's probably true. Training's probably yeah. true if they ever do that. But, you know, the complaints you'll hear, like, I, we, I cannot tell you the number of people who call us like, hey, we're launching our site next week and we'd like to start some marketing. And I'm like, could you please have called me like yeah. six weeks ago, six months ago versus now? Because now you're going to expect to like drive all this traffic to it. And we've got a whole ramp we got to go and you can't, you can't rush the ramp, you know? So, right. You know, it's it's this 
and this belief like you know if you exercise once you're not going to lose all the weight you're not going to be back in track you know back in back in shape you've got it's a right time kind of thing like these things happen small and incremental and that's the same thing and for some reason marketing is seen in a different light often it's like this like magic bullet that if i just apply some marketing to it and you can do some things that like there are agencies out there that can sell you a lot of, you know, ads and things like that, and they can send you a lot of traffic. I guarantee you that traffic, that's a waste. Like you're wasting. Yeah, not going to turn into business. Yeah, it's not going to turn into business. You've got a, one of my strategists uses the analogy, you, you have a field and you're either underwatering it or overwatering it. Yeah. Just right. So if you overwater it, you get all this traffic, you get all these people that you don't convert, or you end up kind of burning your, burning through your marketing dollars too soon, it, it is an overtime thing. And you just gotta, you gotta be doing the right things at the right point within the, the journey. Well, and I think part of the reason why people have this belief system is because they've been told that, that social media is like a magic bullet. That if they just get out yep. there and have a good ad and target the right audience, it, it's gonna, that's what's gonna sell. Yep. for them and yep. right and and they're and the, and it's just not the case as you said you got to be in front of somebody 21 times marketing is about exposure and awareness and building trust and timing and and all of you know a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't happen overnight well and the thing that you run into too is they look at the wrong type of metrics or the wrong type of quote-unquote success so we'll have clients who are like we're not getting any engagement and like you you are they're just not hitting the like button or commenting like right. they're seeing your stuff you know because anecdotally we hear that later we see it in some of the metrics that we're looking at but they you know want to put something up and think everybody's just gonna like it's gonna yeah, go yeah. viral you know it's like mm, probably not no yeah that's not, not how it's gonna work we want to be consistent we want them to hear the name we want them to see like some consistency around the brand over time you've got to be right. patient with it and then you start it's a flywheel so like if you do it right it starts to then spin it spins in a way that's just very predictable i i talk about turning it from a slot machine so you're putting money in it and you're not sure if you're gonna get anything back to a vending machine so if I put this much money into this, then I'm going to receive this type of return, right? So you got to, and it starts as a vending machine. Marketing is a little bit about experimentation. You know, where does your customer live? What is the right message for them? How do you drive them through the ecosystem? You know, what needs to be online versus offline? But once you've done the right experimentation, you've played with it, and we, we like to look for sort of organic um, success. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Um, and then we can put paid behind it. So it's, right. you know, it's a practice and it's, it's tough because there's believers and non-believers. And I can right. always tell them I'm exactly. in the room with non-believer. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It's like, okay. No you doubt. Know, right. Yeah, you're right. not drinking the Kool-Aid and this is going to be a really painful project for the next yes. several months. So let's months. just not do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's not do it. <laughs> like you save your money, I'll save my additional exactly. pay hairs. That'll be good. So. That's right, right. I'll let my kids give them to me, not you. Exactly right. Oh, my gosh. So um, it's so funny because I was just thinking something about that, that the people have to realize that they have to be in it for the long term. Yeah. That it takes time. And and I I really like this idea of, 
that you have to experiment, you have to pay attention to it and tweak it. And and, and would you say that um, that as a business grows, its marketing changes? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And because the business changes, right? Like right. who you're going after, you know, the first part of it may be one group of people and it may be something else and you're learning things. So like the services you, if you're not selling the exact same thing you were selling, even if you are like, you may want to switch up your marketing mix just to make it more interesting or to, you know, cause like marketing is about like some kind of visceral reaction. Like I need, it needs to be noticed. It needs to be interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, you want people talking about it, either good or bad or indifferent. Like you're talking about it. Right. So right. yeah, you, you're constantly, and that is a thing about this is that, you know, my, we have different practice areas. Um, I have someone who's responsible for our social media and the things that we would have advised you to do in social media, even six months ago, we wouldn't advise you to do today. So it's ah. a area that you have to stay in, on top of. You're running your business, let, lead that yep. to some people who are doing it. And we are working with so many different clients across so many different industries. We, we can experiment and then be like, hey, we did this, they have the similar problem you had and it worked well, now we wanna to try to apply it for yours, right? So exactly, yeah. The benefit yeah. of that exposure across lots of different kind of methods and, and modes. Yeah, so that, that is such an interesting aspect of, of not just marketing, I would say, but probably a lot of different areas of business that we are in such a, an environment of change that that's something that we have to keep our eye on. I think sometimes what entrepreneurs do is they say, okay, we've got it figured out. This is our process. This is our system. This is our whatever. And they don't realize that, okay, right now that's great. That might need to change. It's a living, breathing sort of thing that, you know, it's like a tree. It has to be able to bend or it's just going to break if, yeah. a, if a, you know, a big wind comes along. Oh yeah, I mean, and the change is so dramatic. Like we do strategy meetings with our clients at the very beginning of any engagement and we only build a two year, like we only talk about the next two years. And uh, used to, you do like a five year, right? But it's like two, two years is forever from now. Like so many things could change in the next two years. And if you're not flexible, you know, you, you don't. That's these companies that we, we've seen all go by the wayside because they weren't able yeah. to, to change with the way that the industry changed or with the methods that changed. So it's the same, same concept. It's a, yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah. you know, as much as entrepreneurs go off and want to start their own thing and have their own freedom and all that kind of wonderful stuff, then they will often get into like this level of rigidity, you know, like they want to be in yeah. control of it and it wants to be this way and da, da, da. it's like, yeah, that's just not how it works. Like it's gonna go it's with the flow. Not. You got to flow with it. That's and patience. Right. You got to be able to adapt. Right. Yeah, pa patience wow. is, you know, patience, consistency, like so, so much of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's the, the uh, overnight success, five years in the making. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Th those things are really antithetical to being an entrepreneur because yeah. we're, we're more of a bright, shiny object. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. You know, I get bored easily kind of thing, but we do need to be consistent and, and you know, at least to some degree. Um, well, you know, like, period of time. that's one of the things I love about, so they, you know, the Marcus Simonis has the show, The Prophets on CNBC. Yeah. Because I just love the show because it's such a great 
peek behind the curtain and those companies have typically been in business for several years and it's you know going through all the things and these companies all have those same issues i talk about you know he looks at like people process and product and i'm talking about you know you gotta like give up control and you gotta let other people in and you gotta like all that kind of stuff because it's that's the only way you gotta trust somebody else with trust somebody else with your vision your dream yeah yeah you do you can't you can't i mean unless you want to be a one-man band which is fine yeah to some degree i still think you have to let other people do the things that aren't your core passion or uh, capability even if you are a one-person gig you don't necessarily need to hire staff but you got to have somebody doing it well and i mean i would tell you not to like you you need to make a choice right if you're going to be a one-person gig like make it a lifestyle business and make it a lifestyle you really like right live where you want to live yeah you you, you can't do it halfway because halfway right. is the worst because the worst that that's where you end up just you're overemployed you know, you don't have enough staff to do the stuff, so you're not off kind of, you know, out in front moving the business forward. You're drug into everything kind of daily. So you have to make this decision. And, you know, when I sold my research company, I fully intended to just go and do consultancy. Like I was going to have a hand com- handful of clients and I'm going to whatever. And then, you know, I ended up building a company, right? And I had to make a key decision when I realized, okay, if I bring on, and I was, I think it was like, if I bring on one more client, I have to turn this into a real thing. I, and so oh. that's the decision. Like, do I want to stay with what I'm at or do I want to grow it? Right. And if I want to grow it, I have to think about this very differently than the way I was. Right. Right. I think that that is a huge statement. I think that that is tremendously valuable for people. And then, so and is there, none, um, like none of it's wrong. Of I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, and the last thing I'm going to say about that is our American culture tells us if you're not growing that, you know, you're yeah. whatever. And that's not true. Like you can have a really great little business that does is, is based on what you do well and you'll be in yeah. control of the clients you work with. And if you've got multiple, if one of them fires you, you still have the others. Like that's a much safer place to live and you don't have to grow it. Be okay with that. Right. Just know what you want. Absolutely. Know what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, the the question that I was about to ask you is, it, it, was there like a piece of advice that was given to you when you started accelerating your business that really stands out for you that you can share with the listeners? I mean, I, you know, I, I have some of the cliche things that occurred. Like I, you know, was running the business and I went off for spring break and I read Michael Gerber's E-Myth and yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody talks about that, right? Like you go and you read the book and it's like, work on your business, not in your business. I was the pie maker and I was making the pies right. and I was making the pies and all that kind of stuff. And I came back and told my staff, I, you know, the scary thing when the boss comes back from vacation and he's like, I read a book and we're changing everything. Yeah. And so like, I came back and did that, but it was so freeing for me and the organization. You know, it put people back in the place that they were supposed to be in. Some of the best advice I've gotten has been from employees. I, I wrote an article on Inc. around, uh, which I've had people ask me if it was a true true story, and it really was. I had a project manager who was working for me. She'd been working for me for months, and I had not let her run a project on her own. I was still controlling like the way the projects wow. were run. And there was one the next day. She came to me, and she said, if you don't let me go run the project by myself, then I quit. 
Wow. Good <laughs> for like, her. I was like, okay. She's like, because you don't need me. She's like, it doesn't make any sense for us to both be there. So either let me run the project yeah. myself or I quit. I'm like, okay, you can go run the project yourself. I'll sit next to the phone and wait for you to call me if you have any problems. And, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, it comes from places you don't expect. You know, I went to dinner with somebody one, and I talk about an informal board of advisors. So like having a group yeah. of people around you that give you different perspective because you, you get so tied up in yourself, you know, and you need the, yeah. the negative person who tells you everything's going to be terrible and the positive person who tells you everything's going to be great. And, you know, maybe the person who knows you the best, like you get those different perspectives and it just helps you, helps you think through it. You know, it's really it's stepping away like that's the craziest thing is you, you can't continue to focus and be in it you have to figure out how to step away from it to then figure out how to like think about it differently and move it and that that advice for most is like they just want to work harder or they want to right. drive harder and the best thing might be to get in your car and go on a drive yeah and I think everyone I know who's done that, who's given themselves permission and the opportunity to, to totally pull out of their business and go someplace and just be, has, it, it has created a better company for every single one of them. Yep. I agree 100%. It's the only way, it's the only way for it to work. Like, I mean, you yep. just you fight it for as long as you can and a lot of the operational work I do because on the, you know, with the, with Liger Partners, we do the outsourced marketing and then I have some operational clients I work with as well. And it's about, you know, is that entrepreneur, is that small business owner ready to, to change? Is the patient ready for surgery? And right. They have to be ready. And if they're not, then yeah. you, you, you can't fix it. Like I've, I was asked, exactly. what, what's, the, what's the most dangerous uh, thing for a, a company and it's an unaware leader like a leader who is unaware of how they both impact yeah. just impact the business themselves or you know what they want from it and you know they they just create a ton of um of uh, conflict and controversy and unnecessary self-inflicted wounds as everything right right exactly right so true um okay so this may sound like a strange question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you could tattoo one thing on an entrepreneur's arm, what would it be and why? Oh. You know, the, I get into that. Um, I don't look at me. Would it be awareness? It might be awareness because if I go back to that rectify versus magnify that I talked about, uh -huh. Uh -huh. a lot of the decisions that I see entrepreneurs make are tied to something that they're not aware is really driving that decision. And so they'll do things like, we were talking about the, the series Mad Men and you know, Don Draper throughout it, you just keep hoping he'll do the right thing and he never does, <laughs> you know? And, and I see that with my, the entrepreneurs I work with, they, you know, they should have made, they should have fired that person. They should have yeah. made that decision and they don't. And it's because they're being held back by some non-existent thing, something that, you know, somebody in their past told them that they were a failure and they still believe it. You know, they um, 
didn't graduate from college, like whatever it is, whatever that hangup is, and they need to be aware of it. Like, am I making this decision because it's the right decision? Like it's the right thing for the company, just like you would for your kid. Or am I making this decision because of something that I'm, you know, fully aware impacts me both personally and professionally, and I'm just not willing to own up to it. I mean, so much of it is, it's so much therapy. <laughs> it's so much it therapy. It is. It is therapy at the end of the day. It is therapy. It, it really <laughs> is. And I think that is terrific awareness. I, I really love that. I completely agree with you. I think way too often we make decisions that are grounded in something else entirely than with the situation we are experiencing in the moment. Yeah. It absolutely wow. is. I've, I've had so many, I've built business partnerships where I looked at them and they were unequal. And I know that that's tied to just things from my past, you know, and uh-huh. created it for myself. And then the only person who had the power to change it was me. I was the only person exactly. who was, was never going to be changed. Right. right, right, right. That's so great. Wow, Eric, I really appreciate this conversation. Um, I, I think it, it is very valuable i i'm thinking that you know the people listening um are getting so much i'm hoping they're really hearing what you're saying and and are taking things away and are going to look at their businesses um a little bit differently uh for those people who are listening who might be struggling to grow what sort of um encouragement can you give them I mean, it is about patience and it's about finding some other people you can talk to. So as entrepreneurs, we have a tendency to insulate ourselves, um, you know, and sort of beat ourselves up about it. And one of the, you know, I've joined groups like Vistage and there's uh, EO and some others. And I I joined Vistage because my company wasn't growing. And I'm like, well, I'm the CEO. must be my fault, right? So I went to this safe place where I could have a conversation about it. You know, reading a book, even a book that's not business oriented sometimes will enlighten you to another way of thinking about it. It may distract you from what's going on. You know, there's so many that are great, you know, like uh, Traction is one that's big now by Gina Wickman with the EOS operating system. That's a kind of right. good thing to think about. You do need to make sure you're in a, in a place because that's definitely one where an entrepreneur has to be able to give up control. But, you know, you're not going to die right? You're not going to die. It's okay. You know, it's okay to fail. Your failures are going to lead to something greater. And we're so afraid of that. And we have a society that sort of celebrates the success and shows it as an overnight. And it's, it's a lot harder, but just really getting, finding someone you feel like you can like have the conversation with and be like, you know, sucked. Today sucked. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it just sucked. And then that way they, and they can encourage you along the way because this is, it's not, it's not easy. It is a, um, it's a mind thing and you've got to think about it as a marathon. You know, it's, you're running a marathon. It's a sprint. It is a marathon. And how do you make it that entire length of, of time to get there? Definitely. That's great. Thank you. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you and you've got anything going on you think uh, they should know about please yeah so you can find my company liger partners at ligerpartners.com and we are named after the napoleon dynamite movie so ligers are basically the best animal ever 
Uh, so you'll see a lot of references to that there. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as Eric B. Holtzclaw or on Twitter as E. Holtzclaw. Glad to answer any questions anybody has or any outreach that way. I do have a book called Laddering, which you can find on Amazon and on Audible. I did the Audible. Oh, yay. Uh, it's laddering and it's about understanding consumer behavior. So it's behind why people buy and it's appropriate both to B2B and B2C you know, customers. Oh, yeah. so I've got some case studies in there and things like that. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's terrific. Thank you so much. And, and listeners, thank you for uh, tuning in. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Audible.com. To get a free trial of Audible.com as well as a free audiobook like Laddering, go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, Goodbye and good day. With over 30 years in business and a satisfaction guarantee, you can trust Psychic Source. Receive private readings over the phone or chat. Call 800 551 3400 for prices as low as 83 cents per minute. Use promo code PHONE to save. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Pip, 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 Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, I think that was good enough. I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> so, no. Right.